if you're going to get passionate about something, be smart enough to research the snot out of it because (laughs) otherwise you're just going to wind up on a bandwagon with everybody else, which isn't what we need. We need, we don't need bandwagon jumpers. We need thoughtful people um, making wise decisions and leading in healthy ways. Welcome to the Step Up Podcast, a place where we delve into different topics to learn more about ourselves and more about others while having some fun along the way. Today's episode, we are talking about philosophy. And I wanted to do this kind of discussion before because people talk about philosophy like it's a big joke. And I remember on TV shows and movies, they talk about how the most useless degree to have is philosophy. And I remember when I was at university and I was switching over to philosophy, I got the same flack from people. Well, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree? It's useless. It's just people sitting around going, let's think, 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 and (laughs) and actually solving nothing. So I wanted to talk to my friend Hope about it because we both experienced this kind of understanding and we also had people in our own lives say the same thing to us. But it is actually perfect timing because of what is happening in our world. With all the stuff, with all the different media outlets out there and social media and everyone getting misinformation here and there. And we are having experts who are not being listened to. There's so much stuff going on. It is really a time for us to sit down and really think. We need critical thinking. And critical thinking is one of the most important aspects of philosophy. So join me and Hope Cunningham as we talk about why is philosophy helpful? Why do people study it? What is What did we get out of it? Uh, We had a lot of fun just chatting about that, and we get off topic a little bit too here and there, (laughs) as per normal when I have my discussions with people. Take a listen as we discuss philosophy. I'm here with my friend Hope Cunningham, who took philosophy at Tyndale University, and you graduated, and you loved it. You were amazing. You were the one person we all went to and were like, Hope, help us figure out our homework. Help us figure out what we're talking about in philosophy class. <laughs> Do you remember I that? I loved it. I remember sitting around the tables chatting endlessly and loving it, loving it. But I don't think I had any more of a clue than anybody else. We just no, figured it out together. <laughs> I think your brain maybe absorbed it, at least better than mine did. Like I, it takes me sometimes a lot longer to get things. <laughs> Like years later, I'll be like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) Oh, but it's too funny. But yeah, I remember you got, you were, you were very excited about it, which made me excited about it, which I loved. That definitely It was fun. It was just fun. I really, really loved philosophy. Yeah. (laughs) So what was it? Because I remember you and I were both started in psychology. Mm -hmm. And then we both switched over to philosophy, I think at the same time or shortly Probably about the same time. Yeah, I think so. 
So what was it about philosophy that attracted you to it? Well, interestingly, when I first went to Tyndale, where we met in university there, um, I was, like you said, in the psychology stream. And uh, I remember that we were required to take history of philosophy part one and two. It was a core requirement. And when I saw that on the sheet, I was just like, I cannot believe that a Christian university, you know, whatever, um, thinks this is important. Like it's philosophy. Who cares? <laughs> and I was, I was actually so annoyed that I was like, fine, I'm just going to get it over with first semester. I'm going to take um, part one, second semester. I'm going to p- take part two, and I'm going to get this over with because I want to get to studying what I care about. And it was so funny because I sat down in the first class, Dr. Franks was speaking and um, just talking about the nature of philosophy and explained that there was this difference between philosophy and sophistry. And he was talking like way back to Aristotle and how there were these people who were just kind of going around trying to sound really intelligent. And actually people would pay them to tutor their children. And it was just really the science of sounding really brilliant but generally by saying not very much. Um, and he, he drew a comparison between that and what philosophy is, which is a love of truth, a love of knowledge, right? I don't know. I was maybe two, three weeks in that class before I wanted to change my major. I just loved it from the start. Oh, wow. That was a lot quicker than I was. I think it took me a year. Oh, no, the next semester. In the second part of history of philosophy, I think that's when I was kind of like, this is really cool. Okay. Then I switched before you because I remember going to him and going, I still think I want to be a counselor. Talk me into how I can still be a counselor, but major in philosophy. And I remember his argument was great. He was like, 99% of people's problems is that they don't understand what's true what's true about them, what's true about the world. And in our case at Tyndale, we spent a lot of time talking about religion as well. And he's like, what's true about God? If you could figure out what's true about you, what's true about God and what's true about the world, most of our problems disappear. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. And <laughs> it also helps you yeah. to understand because I like, cause you could take philosophy and then get your master's in psychology because you wouldn't necessarily need to have a philosophy bachelor's. Or exactly. sorry, psychology bachelor's. Psychology, word. yeah. But it helps you to understand how people think. And, okay, so do you remember the psychology majors versus the philosophy majors? And the psychology was like, philosophy's stupid, and I don't know why we have to study it. And then philosophy people were like, psychology is stupid. I don't know why we have to study it. And I was thinking, they're both amazing. Why are we, dis- why are we arguing about it? <laughs> exactly. It's actually, they're both so fun. They're both so they're fascinating. Like the human mind is just like, you could think about that forever. It's just amazing. And philosophy is like literally the study of truth. So it's the study of everything. Like I'm one of, I'm, I'm a learner. I love learning. And so philosophy just gives you the tools and permission to learn anything you want. It's so exciting. (laughs) Well, and I remember the first chapter or the intro to the psychology textbook we had said psychology comes from the brand uh comes from philosophy right oh, really I yeah you don't remember, remember that uh-uh. i remember <laughs> telling kyle that i was like dude you hate philosophy but look 
psychology comes <laughs> from philosophy because those people were the first psychologists or therapists or whatever. They were trying to figure out why do we think the way we think and what's, you know, what is truth and, and things like that. Right. So I'm like, why are we I know we spent a lot of time trying to recruit psychology majors to the <laughs> philosophy. <laughs> yes. I'm and then, not sure if we were actually studying that much. <laughs> I was so bad at studying. I remember trying to study the pre-Socratics and it was boring. And these people were talking about weird stuff like water and I don't even remember. Some of them were weird. And I, I have such bad anxiety. And first year, at least I had really bad depression and I could not focus. And I I was like, I don't know what I'm reading. <laughs> it made it all that much worse. <laughs> so that's why I was just kind of like, I would go to class and like, just tell me what it says because I cannot focus. But <laughs> that was funny. Well, it, it's interesting because people, when I switched over and even now, I don't know nowadays, but growing up, you know, in the movies and TV shows, they, they joke about philosophy degree is useless. And I remember thinking that, and even people were saying that to me when I wanted to switch over. Well, how is philosophy going to help you? And I felt so stressed. I felt like, but I think it's important. It seems really interesting. And it's funny because it philosophy is not just sitting there thinking like, oh, what is truth? Trying to delve into different problems, like the problem of evil and the God question, the re- philosophy of religion and ethics and our worldview and trying to reason and, and learning about critical thinking. Yes. And that stuff is so useful for anything you do in life. It's kind of funny because philosophy is almost, and this sounds so arrogant, <laughs> philosophy is almost the governing discipline, right? Yeah. Because it kind of helps us figure out how we are able to think about other disciplines. So, so like um, philosophy helps us see what the scope of science really is. What can we explore and what can't we explore in science? You can't s- explore the metaphysical in science. Science is the study of the physical. And philosophy helps us parse that out and figure out what what can we actually learn from experimenting with the physical world. Um, and what can't we learn? We can't really learn much about the nature. Well, (laughs) I disagree with this statement I'm about to make. We can't learn a ton about the nature of the, of thought or the nature of um, God or the nature of these kind of big non-physical things um, by looking at the composition of trees, right? But we can learn a lot about the physical worlds and about how things grow. And and it's the same with psychology. Philosophy kind of helps us say, um, we can study this and we can understand this. And this is what, by learning about the human mind, we can focus on these things and we can grow. But there's parts of parts of the world that you don't explore by exploring the human mind, right? And yeah, philosophy is almost like a governing discipline because it kind of helps us figure out what we can reasonably think about. I mean, there's so many philosophers who are mathematicians. There's so many philosophers who are also like linguists because it, it kind of equips you better to study other disciplines. Like it, it just helps you learn to think and, and to, I think, think within your capacities, right? It's like this, don't try to do other things, find what your discipline is 
and and master that within your capabilities. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and it also helps to think out. I mean, everyone talks about thinking outside the box, but what does that really mean? But I think when you're taking philosophy, you're not just stuck in your own belief. Because the more you think you know, actually, the more the less you know. Isn't that what Socrates said? Yeah, that was Socrates. One of those things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember the idea. He knew nothing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know that I know nothing. Was that I, the thing? Basically, I don't know what he said, but and then he'd wander around trying to convince people that they didn't know anything either. That was kind of his <laughs> whole purpose in life, which is why people give philosophy such a bad name. But he wasn't wrong, and it's actually helpful to kind of go. You don't actually know certainty is kind of an impossibility, but that's okay. We can learn a lot anyways. And have <laughs> that's what drives me crazy. And I remember when I was switching and I, um, I had a friend whose husband was a philosophy professor uh, at a university here in London. And I met with him and he basically said, once you take philosophy, you'll realize you, you won't know anything. And you don't even know what, uh, I don't know how he said it exactly, but you won't know what is true anymore. So, but it's so true because now the things that I always thought I knew because my dad told me it was true or, you know, he kind of bullies me into that. <laughs> now I'm like, no, I don't know that to be true. And then people get, it's, it's kind of freeing because you're not stuck in this one way of thinking, but at the same time, it's frustrating because then you don't know anything to be true in the sense, like when we talk about media the the left on this side is talking saying one thing and the right on this side is saying one thing and i'm like oh i can kind of see both sides but then i go crazy because i don't have an opinion because i don't know exactly what's what's really right or what's really true <laughs> exactly and, and then think- whereas before it was just like well i'm you know this way so i'm going i i, I believe this side yeah yeah it's true i think we need to um, employ our reason. And unfortunately, our reason is even flawed, right? Like, I don't know about your brain, but mine is not perfect. It's a mess sometimes. So we have to, we kind of have to approach every discipline with a little bit of humility. And even, you know, as Christians, it's not a scary thing to say we have to approach scripture with a bit of humility. I cannot find in the last decade and a half anyways, news outlets that I can't point to a million things that they have said that just made no sense at all. And so you can't just kind of go, well, Fox News said it or CNN said it, so it must be true. In fact, if Fox News said it or CNN said it, you better think really long and hard about what they said because odds are it's not the whole truth. So we really, um, we need those reasoning skills. We Getting back to the point of philosophy, we need to learn how to think critically about what we're hearing, um, because there aren't many things that have been proven over and over um, the way, like for myself, I really see scripture, the truth of scripture has been just kind of reinforced and reinforced. So I have a really high degree of confidence in it. I don't have the same degree of confidence in Fox News or CNN or any (laughs) news outlet I found. They just let me down over and over again. (laughs) Well, and also, I remember taking a marketing class in high school and they talked about how the people who do the marketing want to sway you to this side. So they'll, they'll change it. So you, you'll think you'll need this or 
when you really don't. They're persuasive in that. And also when you watch law shows, because I love legal <laughs> shows, true crime, all that kind of stuff. And the lawyers were like, well, do you really know? And that drives me crazy because I'm like, no, just tell me the truth. I don't want to be swayed <laughs> to think the defendant is innocent when I kind of think he's guilty, but then I don't know. And I don't, I'm glad I'm not in the jury because I wouldn't know. <laughs> So I think the 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 news media wants to sensationalize everything and make us just sway towards their point of view for viewership. Yeah, they don't yeah, care the about you. It's a business, and they don't much care about truth. Usually, they're just kind of trying to get the headlines. And the more clicks you get, the more advertising you get, the more money you make. And at the end of the day, that's the name of the game. Yeah. Um, so we need to be able to think really critically about the things we're hearing and where we're getting it, and just. If you're going to get passionate about something, be smart enough to research the snot out of it because <laughs> otherwise you're just going to wind up on a bandwagon with everybody else, which isn't what we need. We need we don't need bandwagon jumpers. We need thoughtful people um, making wise decisions and leading in healthy ways. Also, I, I, I did get out my textbook for critical thinking. That class was the hardest class I ever took in my life. But the best class that changed my life. And I remember trying to read through and I remember, okay, so I reread it, but they were talking about the difference between arguments and statements. And Mm -hmm. I I don't really remember what I read, (laughs) but how sometimes we'll take a statement and think that's an argument, but it's really not. And so also with the faulty logic because I grew up believing all that stuff and I grew up a very emotional person. So I would just be like, well, I feel this. So I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm going to go with this. And so it was so hard for me mentally, emotionally to just get it. And it still mm-hmm. takes years and I'll still read this again. And I'm like, Oh, ah, I still need to kind of <laughs> remember these things. Cause I grew up with my, my dad being very staunch about, certain things like this is the truth and I can't even question it. He'll just kind of get argumentative and like angry and like, no, this is what it is. And so that's where I kind of had that belief growing up. Well, my dad's right. (laughs) And so, and you know what? He probably is in many, many ways, but you can make a statement or you can make an argument. An argument is meant to actually give reasons to believe something. A statement is just a statement. And it's like, there's so many really wise and amazing people um, who just who feel like it's enough to just make a statement without backing it up. And and as wise and amazing and wonderful as they are, they need to give me more. And I know, like, I work with youth um, in my church. I actually most of them are from my church. They want reasons to believe things. They don't want to just be told stuff like they've heard enough garbage and lies that they've got questions. And if you don't have answers, they don't want to hear from you. Um, So and and I love that about them because they're asking questions. They're challenging assumptions that we've held forever. We're raising up some critical thinkers. And I think we were having a conversation before we started talking about the need for critical thinking and um, instruction in critical thinking. I was saying that my kids are in uh, high school have, well, two of my kids have taken a high school philosophy class that really focused on critical thinking and um, just here's what people said. 
Why would they say that? What are the reasons to believe this? Um, and just really getting people to look for evidence for reasons to believe things uh, rather than because so-and-so said it is not a reason, <laughs> right? you know, give me reasons to believe things. And, and then I think we wind up with people who are much more balanced and you can't just say something and everybody freaks out and goes, oh, really? It's like, give me reasons, help me understand, give me context. <laughs> and, and I just, I, I want for myself, for my kids, for kind of this coming generation that's going to be taking care of me when I'm in the home. I want these people to be thinkers. <laughs> you know, I want them to be critically assessing the information that they're given and using their minds when they're making decisions about my future. <laughs> it was actually, so I remember hearing about Ravi Zacharias when I, I think 2005 or maybe before that. And the more I started listening to him, because growing up, we didn't have any critical thinking. And, and the generation before that, it was like, it was like, you just believe the Bible because you're supposed to believe it. Mm-hmm. But then we're supposed, I remember in the 90s, it was a big thing like uh, evangelize. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know what I was supposed to say. People had questions. I had no answers. But when I heard Ravi was doing apologetics, I was like, what? There's such a thing as having reasons for our faith. Yeah, And that's what then kind of led me on a path to wanting to study philosophy because it, it, it gives you a reason rather than just believe the Bible to be true because we say so mm-hmm. to thinking about it and thinking, why, why do I still have this faith? Is it because my parents told me to, or is it my own faith? And I have my own reasons for believing it that I wish we'd grown up with, but I'm glad I found it when I did. Yes. Uh, because that is also help people in their own faith. Cause I think a lot of our generation and the generation before gone away from it. Like, do you know, Ricky Gervais? Yep. Yeah. So he's, he's an atheist. And I, I remember I heard a story where he was a little kid and he asked his mom a question about how do you know God exists? And she didn't have an answer. And that kind of told him something. So he's like, well, I don't believe in God anymore. And that's really sad because there are answers as to why we do have that faith, but she didn't have the, the knowledge or the understanding to, to kind of know how to answer that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's even this um, viewpoint that we shouldn't ask that question Mm. and we shouldn't try to find evidence for our faith or we shouldn't reason. It's like God said so. Um, And that's so harmful. It's so harmful because the fact is, there's a lot of really good reasons to believe in Christianity, like historical reasons and um, looking at like people's lives that were changed, but like just the vast amount of historical data that lends um, credence to some of the stories in scripture, all of these things that really lend strength to this faith that like you, I, I grew up with kind of, uh, now my parents were much more open ask questions, but still there's kind of a, well, if the Bible says so, and it's like, but, and on it, I want to back up. If the Bible says so, there's actually a really good reason to believe it. But first of all, you got a reason to the point where the Bible saying so matters, right? <laughs> so you got to look back and go, so what is it about the Bible that matters so much? Um, it's funny. We didn't want to get too much into religion, but there we go. <laughs> well, it's part of philosophy. <laughs> or it really, you know what? Philosophy and history. Is about, and it, and it, it's such an intrinsic part of 
who you and I both are, because in like in our history of philosophy class, um, we spent so much time thinking about what is the nature of reality and and can it even make sense without a supreme being giving it meaning and purpose? So, yeah, it's really hard to talk about philosophy without bringing God into it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) True. There was one thing I heard recently. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as well was a lot of this stuff going on with conspiracy. I I call them conspiracy theories. I know a lot of people are calling it truth. Um, (laughs) But it was interesting because I watched uh, John Maxwell last week. He was he spoke uh, on a, a webinar thingy and he was talking about trust and why we now have so much distrust in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was saying we distrust the government because the effects that we saw. So like it started, we used to trust our government. Right. And then, I mean, especially in the States where there was Vietnam and they found out they were lying about Vietnam and then Nixon coming out as well, you know, right. uh, the whistleblowers truthful. Yeah. yeah. And so then we realize our government is not telling us the truth. How do we know we can believe them? But now it's come to this, point in time where we think that they're tracking us and well I guess they do sometimes that the whole thing with uh, Edward Snowden right where they were watching on the video I mean that's where you kind of get these conspiracy theories like are they tracking us with vaccines or are they creating COVID or something like all this stuff happens and so I get it I don't trust the government either but where do we go if we don't have that level of trust um because you have to have some trust in order to believe things, right? So that's where it was really interesting hearing that because I didn't clue into to why we're now at this point where we don't trust anything. Yeah. So basically, the fact that the government has let us down in the past um, makes us question their motives and question um, whether or not they're going to do the same thing in the future. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Like, Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I guess fair enough. Um, Certainly there have been times in probably every government in existence where individuals have taken advantage of their position of their authority and done things that were not appropriate and not right. I think the problem with governments, if we're going to kind of go there, is that they're made up of human beings and human beings are broken. (laughs) And as much as I bet you that 99% of politicians get into politics because they want to make the world a better place when they start. And then they realize what a massive challenge that is and how it might be easier to just make it a better place for a certain amount of people. And probably kind of lose their big picture and get focused on smaller things and smaller agendas. And I don't think there's a whole lot of really evil people in power. I think they're just like the rest of us, uh, selfish. (laughs) Or they they get paid by, they're supported by a a large company who then says, well, now you have to do what we want you to do, even though it's like environmentally bad or who knows, right? Yeah, Um, yeah what agenda is being pushed and what, yeah, what, what agenda you're being paid to push. And probably a lot of them are um, compelled by the arguments of the people who are sponsoring them as well and kind of helping their campaigns. There's, there's a lot of humility that's required in 
um, and just kind of looking at the world we're living in and analyzing what people are saying to us, whether it's the media, whether it's government, whether it's um, even like school boards, you know, like I, you hear a lot of people who are like not trusting the agenda of the school boards. And I think we need a lot of grace. I think we need, I don't know that trust, trust has been broken and maybe we were naive to trust anyways. <laughs> maybe we were kind of naive to think that, you know, the government is, has our very best interest at heart, that the school board has our very best interest at heart. Maybe trust is a little bit overrated. Maybe we need to be more careful about where we put our faith, but I think we need a lot more grace. I think we need to be kind to and, and make assumptions about people that we, that we would want to have directed at us. Like mm-hmm. I, when people look at me in the positions of leadership that I have, whether it's my employees, because I own a small business or whether it's my kids or whether it's my youth group, I want them to give me some grace and assume that I really do care that I really have their best interest at heart. And maybe I'm mistaken. That's entirely possible. In <laughs> in fact, absolutely probable in many, many things. Um, but if we can give grace and just assume that people are trying for the most part, I think it's going to make the world an easier place to live in, but not necessarily trust. I think, I think trust is overrated. Don't trust your media outlets. Don't trust your governments. Um, Listen, listen with compassion, listen with grace, but understand that in the same way that quite frankly, you and I can't be trusted to always get it right. um, Neither can they, and they get sidetracked by agendas and money and just what kind of works best for them. And the thing that they would love to see happen, regardless of maybe it's the best for the most of us. They're people, they're people just like us just as broken as we are. Um, they need True. grace, but I don't know that we need to trust them too much. <laughs> I think that's thing. That's something we forget a lot of times. And uh, actually with the cancel culture that we're seeing right now, somebody, and I get it. I mean, if there's something really horrible, like what uh, Harvey Weinstein did and Bill Cosby, oh, yeah. I mean, it. it's awful. Cause I mean, Bill Cosby was our TV dad. I mean, we all wanted to be Huxtable. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, and, and I get it in that sense, we should be canceling some people because it's, it's a pattern of, of awful things that they did. Really evil behavior. But a lot of times people will make a mistake. They'll say something on Twitter or, you know, um, they weren't nice or something. I mean, I, I guess it depends on how, if it's a pattern that consistently they're hurting people. It, man, if I, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed of things I've done and said over the years. It's right? like, oh my word, I used to think that or say that. And I can't imagine having that out on display. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, we forget that people are flawed, that we're all yeah. just trying to do our best and we're going to mess up. But to just, to just so quickly cancel people and, and a lot of times it's just us online going, oh, well, you know, judging people. Well, I'm better than them. Well, are we? I mean, we yeah. messed up. So <laughs> that, yeah. that's one thing that makes me sad in a way yeah. of how we just so quickly dismiss and forget that people are humans. <laughs> we write people off. Yeah, you're right. There's There are people who I don't know a gracious way of saying 
they just are perpetrators of evil. It it happens. There are people out there like your Harvey Weinsteins and like your Bill Cosby's, which is heartbreaking, who you just kind of look and you go, I can't justify, I can't justify what they've done. Um, I can't find a good in it. I just, I really need to walk away from anything to do with this person, right? But yeah, we are so hard on one another. And if we just took a moment to think, if that was me, how would I want someone to treat me? Really recently, um, Charlie D'Amelio and her sister Dixie, have you heard this? She's like a TikToker. Um, oh, and she's a dancer at the table, yeah. dining room table. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. the whole <laughs> the whole thing where they've got like their um, private chef who made some meal, and they're like gagging, and all these people they lost so many followers because they're like, oh, they're so privileged and they're so horrible, and and I mean, honestly, they were behaving extremely childishly. Like, obviously, this is not a role model, but if your role model is a TikToker, you probably need to give your head a shake, anyways. They're just being silly. They were just, and actually, apparently this chef was a friend of theirs or something. I don't even know the whole story and I don't care. I just can't believe that it blew up like that, that people were, they were getting death threats because they were like gagging on their food. It's because it was snails or something. I mean, I might. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I think it was escargot. (laughs) It's just why, why do we have to be so harsh? Like we all need so much more grace. We need people to be kind to us. And like, so let's model it. Let's model it. Even on social media, I'm off Facebook. I'm sorry. (laughs) I am off Facebook entirely because I can't listen to all the rhetoric anymore. I can't listen to all the, and I cannot read another angry, frightened news article (laughs) that one of my friends has posted. Um, yeah. I just, I need a little bit more space for grace. I need a little bit more space for kindness. I, and I want to model it instead of modeling hatred, which you know is going to come back and bite you. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it does because they'll quote something that you said about somebody else. And then you went and did it and look at what a hypocrite you are. And I would rather just admit to everybody right here, right now that I'm a hot mess and <laughs> I'm going to say and do stupid things. And I'll forgive you if you do it and you can hopefully find it in your heart to forgive me. You're a smart woman getting off Facebook. <laughs> There's, I, I've, I mean, if it wasn't for my podcast, I don't know if I'd be on Facebook. I, many times I just want to go off it, but I know I've had to stop scrolling. Yes. Because when I scroll, I start to get angry or, or jealous or just stressed. Anxious. Anxious. <laughs> and I'm already an anxious person, so that doesn't help. But I yeah. think one thing, and I, I know I've done this, where when you see successful people, I mean, this Camilla, Camilla, I don't, I don't even know her name. Um, I, I read about her, but I don't remember her name. Um, I mean, she's young, pretty and rich. And honestly, it kind of, oh, you know, <laughs> you, know, you kind of want to hate on those people sometimes. Yeah. And so it kind of is like the evil part of me is like, oh, yes, she's getting her just desserts because she's young, pretty and rich. And that, that's my jealousy. That's my like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> is that right? No, but I think that's the part of us that kind of enjoys that and enjoys putting other people down because we don't have what they have, Yeah, but there's so much more involved in that. Right. Cause yeah, exactly. Sorry. That's what your Facebook, that's what your huff post those ones that are just trying to grab headlines. That's what they're feeding off of is our own 
self-interest, our own, you know, judgmental spirits and that kind of thing, because that's a really easy way to grab a person's attention to get that click. Um, Because it's like, wait, they did, they said what, you know, and we, there, it's almost like they're reinforcing this. You're better than that. If you, you know, just click on this headline and see what a horrible person this is. You're better. And I don't know why, and I'm, I'm guilty as anybody, but I don't know why we can't find joy in seeing the virtue in people and seeing the good things in people. We just seem to only be happy if people around us are failing and we're succeeding. (laughs) And I mean, that's not, that's a massive generalization, but uh, it, it is easier to feel better about yourself when you're surrounded by failure. And, And that's so pathetic. (laughs) <laughs> I know. And you know what? I That's one thing I want to work on um, because I come from a very negative kind of pessimistic background and I tend more towards that in just thinking like I hated my job and I hated where I lived and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I hate my life, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I'm folk, I'm trying to get to that point where like, and I, I you know, I write I actually got a tattoo that says gratitude on my wrist. Oh, I love it. As a reminder. Smart. Yeah. Have gratitude. You know, the the little things in life, getting back to even just going for walks and Mm -hmm. enjoying the nature that's around me, you know? And so I'm I'm learning that, but it's harder as you get older because you've been so stuck in a certain way. But I'm like, I don't want to be that person anymore. It was like jumping on everything people are doing and like getting angry and it's, it it become makes you a bitter person. And it's exactly. like, I don't want to be like that. Nope. <laughs> so we got to change it now, right? Exactly. I do not want to be that cranky old woman who's just finding fault with everybody in the home. I want to be the one who's like escaping and climbing up a tree, right? <laughs> and just enjoying <laughs> her life. I don't want to be judging people. I want to be living till the very last minute when I actually fall out of the tree. <laughs> oh, and I so think funny. just... <laughs> I think just finding the joy and not focusing on the mess. I yeah. think it just, it's better for us too. It's yeah. It gives grace to other people, but also just makes our lives simpler. This is so funny. Can I just say we're yeah. two psychology majors who moved to philosophy majors and we're really talking psych, not philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't this the philosophy part where you kind of, well, I guess it's both. See, this is where they're kind of it is both. intertwined where you realize you're self-aware of that's the, that's the first part is being aware that you do it and yeah. then changing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's where you take the practical. That's where philosophy, like we can look at our own psychology. We can look at our own lives and the way people think and actually apply it. That's the philosophical part. So yes, see, we're doing philosophy sort of somewhat. <laughs> Getting back to philosophy. Was there hmm. one subject in philosophy that was your favorite if you remember that far back <laughs> my oh my honestly if you don't I know that's fine all my favorite class was no can't say that okay I loved symbolic logic but that was just because it was like a puzzle and that was really really fun Critical oh, was that reasoning? the mathy one yes and Ew. I hate math I hate math, but I loved it. I don't know. It makes no sense. I never got um, that far and I was really glad I did. <laughs> um, the most useful class, 100% critical thinking. Um, that was that was massively useful for me. Um, just looking at different, um, uh, what did they call them? 
Fallacies? Start the thought. Fallacies. Yes. Fallacious ways of thinking. So like the whole idea that if, you know, a, a horrible person said something, it just must be wrong. Or if someone who, you know, like centuries ago said something, well, you know, that's, that's old thinking. We can't even consider their ideas. Um, that whole genetic fallacy, that was one of my favorites because you have to realize that just because someone is even a horrible person, you know, think of it, OJ Simpson, assuming he killed Nicole, I have no idea. I wasn't there, but anyways, assuming he did, (laughs) um, just because he did that doesn't mean he wasn't a fantastic football player. Like, holy crow, have you seen that man move? And so that whole idea of taking from everything what is good and throwing out the evil. Um, and that's what critical thinking did for me is that like just looking at fallacies and understanding that we were, um, like I said, that was really that genetic fallacy. Well, it came from OJ. So what could he possibly have to say about that? And it's like, well, if he's talking football, honey, you should listen. Um, and, <laughs> you know, and so, and there's just a million examples of that in politics. We're not naming names, but just because it came from a source doesn't mean it can't be true. Just because it came from a social media platform doesn't mean it can't be true. You have to analyze everything and hold on to what's good and throw away the rest. Um, so that critical reasoning was like mind blowing for me to really go. I need reasons to believe things. Um, and that one, that one stuck with me for a very, very long time. I, but honestly, I love them all. Like I really did love them all. There wasn't a single one that I didn't like look forward to being in class. It was. Oh yeah. It was, it was fascinating just sitting. Like I hated papers and exams, but if I could just, what's it called when you just attend a class? Audit. Audit. If I could just audit and just listen to the professors, I'm like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the part I miss the most. Uh, Yes. I I hated all the other stuff, but um (laughs) I forgot about that one. You know, I was so bad at remembering which fallacy was what. And I would, I was doing so bad. On the, and I remember the teacher was, I think he was pretty frustrated with me. And I'm like, I just don't get it. <laughs> I even, I remember one day, cause I was working as well as going to school and, uh, which was just so stressful, but there was a day I just couldn't handle the class and I skipped it and I went to a movie. I'm like, I was, uh, yeah, uh, I did not, I was not doing well at that time anyway, but it's funny. And I would say critical thinking as well was my favorite. I also enjoyed philosophy of science. Mm-hmm. I think I took philosophy of religion, although I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, apologetics at that class. Um, metaphysics. And I, I don't know that I remember much about it, but the one thing I remember, and you'll get a kick out of this, Dr. Davis had, so remember he always drank Coke? Yeah. So he had the two Coke cans and he goes, how do you know that these two Coke cans are not the same? They both are red. They're both the same size, same shape. How do you know that they're not the exact same thing? And it was, I guess, I don't know the answer, but (laughs) because they don't occupy (laughs) the same space, maybe. (laughs) That's right. Okay. Yep. Uh, but he was talking about like the redness of the Coke can and blah, blah, blah. So at the time I was working at the branch as a teller. And I remember telling one of my favorite customers, cause he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm taking philosophy. And I was trying to explain this to him. <laughs> he looked at me like I was crazy. Like, why would you want to learn about that? 
And I told Dr. Davis, and he's like, you're not supposed to tell people that kind of stuff because they're not going to understand what you're taking. <laughs> but I I mean, it when you look at it in that point of view, you're like, what are we talking about? But it is important to know because sometimes people don't believe in reality. And isn't metaphysics like the nature of reality or something? It's, I don't even remember what it is, but. It's really the study of what is, like what, what is. can we say exists and what can't, you know, and that's where you get into um, possible worlds. I finally, at one point, like had an epiphany and it started to make sense, but it really took an epiphany. <laughs> Is that the multiverse? Uh, no, no. It was it like the idea that, oh gosh, now that you're the hope, me. The hope that went to school was also yeah. the hope that didn't go to school. There's another world in which hope didn't go to Tyndale. She made, there's mm. another world in which I went to U of T. There's another world. There's just an infinite number of possible worlds in which every possible thing happened to me. And then there's the same infinite number of worlds that every possible thing happened to you. And it's, it's mind boggling. And what the, what I couldn't get was Davis wanted us to see that they all existed and the word exist. I had to redefine that word in my head. And when I finally got it to the place where I could understand existence philosophically instead of just as a being, you know, as a physical thing, then I was fine. But it took me months and drove me crazy. (laughs) Uh, I remember not understanding half of what was going on in that class. And I don't even know how I passed the exams. But this is one reason why I loved philosophy was to take the ideas and to put them into what we believe now in today's world. And I love things pop culture. Yeah, make it a reference to the office or whatever. <laughs> and remember and it forever, yeah. right? Actually, there's a podcast. It's called The Bible Binge or something, and they reference pop culture with the Bible and faith, and it's really neat because I'm like, cool. This is more interesting to me. Um, so Davis would always talk about the Matrix when referring oh, yeah. to, yep, what's his face, the guy with the long hair, where I don't know that I exist. Oh, um. Descartes. Oh, Descartes. wow. How did we blank? Thank you. <laughs> but that was the year or that just after that, uh, Inception came out. Yes. And so yeah, I said to Dr. Davis, that. you totally need to use Inception now instead of the Matrix. <laughs> and that, that helped me understand the movie. And I remember I, I made my mom watch it and she goes, what? What's happening? And I was trying to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, whoa, we watched it together with Liz. We did. Yep. At Liz's place. I remember yep. that. And that was, yep. I was like, you guys, cause I saw it a few times. I was like, you guys, this movie's so awesome. But <laughs> when you refer it to, to something in pop culture or something in the ideas that we have today, that's what I loved about it. You mm-hmm. know, why do we believe what we believe now? Or why are the, the thinking of today, where does that come from? Yeah, well, it goes all the way back to philosopher a hundred years ago. I'm like, Oh, cool. I, I always found that the the neatest thing. So, absolutely. So, I want to thank Hope for coming on and talking about philosophy with me. That was super fun. I do apologize for some of the background sound. I think somebody is uh there was some construction going on. <laughs> so, follow me on Facebook at Stuff Up Podcast and Instagram at Stuff Up underscore Podcast. You can also check out my blog, my website at www.stuffuppodcast.com. 
If you like the podcast, if you guys can rate and review, it helps people to find the podcast easier and it just helps with ratings. So that would be super helpful. Thank you very much. Thanks to all you guys who listen. You are amazing. And I hope you go out there and make it a great day. Bye.